You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. According to recent research, the average U.S. household carries over 16000 in credit card debt, $28,000 in auto loans, and almost $50,000 in student loans. That's more debt than the average household income. Every year we commit to better finances and ultimately a better life. But for some reason, the process is so mystifying. Joining us today to discuss your personal finances and her own story of entrepreneurship and good money management is Dominique Broadway, founder and personal finance coach at Finances Demystified. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the handle at Miss Finance Coach. Hey, Dominique, what's going on? Hey, how are you today? Good, 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 good. So before we jump into 2017 goals, I'd like to take a step back a bit and tell us how your 2016 went and what worked really well for you for your career. 2016 was it was great, and it's it's actually funny you ask that because I remember when um you know looking at a Facebook post and all these different social media posts and I was like, oh my god, 2016 was horrible. I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> to the point where I started, I was like, oh my god, 2016 was horrible. It's funny, when I sat down and did my, my kind of year in review, and I looked at, you know, literally looked at every single month, January, February, March, every single month individually, looked at how many speaking engagements I've done, and looked at how many clients I touched, and how many people I reached, and, you know, my revenue, and all that good stuff. And I was like, wow, this is a pretty good year for me. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, you know, I think a lot of times when we, when we look back at previous years, like I was having a conversation with someone else, and she said, oh, 2016 sucks, because... Donald Trump won the election. I was like, well, why are you letting someone who won the election ruin your entire year? I'm not going to let him decide my entire year. I had a great year. So 2016 was, was really great for me. I think that, you know, I had a my point in my business where, you know, like I said, I did start to reach, you know, thousands and thousands of business hours with more people on a daily basis, which is, which is phenomenal. So unbelievable. But, you know, I did probably a little over 40 speaking engagements throughout the year. And, you know, it was just great. I created a lot more like, really cool products to help people, you know, with their personal finance. So overall, it was great. Um, I did a speaking tour with the Michael Push Coalition in Chevrolet, which was awesome to actually tour the country with them and, and get to see people in other cities who have been following me, which is still weird, but cool. So it was, it was really, truly a, a great year for me. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the tour with Chevrolet. It's got to be really awesome to walk into a room in a city that you Maybe you've been there before, but just to be in a, a new place and people already know who you are and, oh, my gosh, yeah. I read your blogs, I read your books, I watched your videos. That was, that was honestly a little weird. It was it was cool because, you know, you think of yourself like, okay, it's just me out here, like, trying to teach everybody about finance in these streets, you know, and, you know, I remember going to Detroit. I was definitely excited about Detroit. I had cold. I just went from, from Dallas. So I flew from shiny Dallas to rainy Detroit. And I was like, oh, I'm not feeling it, you know? Uh-huh. I remember walking into the room and this girl came. She was like, oh, my God. I remember 
do like in Ebony three years ago and I was all the notes, like, what? Are you serious? Like you really think about my feels kind of like weird. Like really you just follow me. So I got a lot of stories like that. I mean, what this girl came up, she was like crying, like saying how my blog posts have helped her and I was just like, What? So I think for me it was that year that, you know, I feel like God really showed me that you know, this isn't really about you. This is about people you can help and touch. And so it's really cool to see that I'm actually like helping people for real. So it was, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll jump into how you're helping folks with the finances demystified program. Okay. But I wanted to, you know, this is the year of resolution. This is the season of the year of resolutions, and I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on resolutions versus goals. Do you think are you a resolutions person? Are you a goals person? What is your take on on those two? I'm not a huge resolution person. I actually didn't set any resolutions this year. I didn't set any resolutions last year. I've never really set resolutions. What I like to do is I kind of, I've done this for a while. I kind of refocus every month. So every month I take time to sit down and see what I did right and what I did wrong the previous month. And I make small tweaks throughout the year so that I don't have to wait for a whole another year to come for me to want to make a change. I think sometimes people do that. That's how they end up having the same goal for, for eight years, right? We've all met those people and it's like, okay, you're 200 pounds and you're, you've been trying to lose 50 pounds for the past 10 years. So, you know, but you keep waiting until the new year to start. And so I realized that if I kind of treat every month as, as almost as a new year, I can uh, make those changes quickly so I can have more effective results. So I got the, I did a vision board this year. Which I never do. Always tell my friends like, "Come on, let's make vision boards." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and I honestly say, with the vision board, it's not even necessarily resolution. It's more just my vision for the year and what I expect it to look like. And it's actually helpful. Sitting in my living room, I walk past it every day, it's reminding me of all the things that that I want to do this year. But as far as those resolutions, I think a lot of times with people is. It's cute, you know, by, by next week, they're gone. I've already even noticed a decrease in the gym because I've been going to the gym since last year. And <laughs> like, it was it was crowded, like, last week, and this week it's definitely slowed down, thank goodness, because I you know, want to get my, my preferred treadmill back. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I don't really, I don't really do the, the resolution. What about you? Do you do resolutions? You know, I don't do resolutions either. I'm like you. I, I do the monthly assessment. And um, I actually keep an app on my phone with a task list. And so some of the tasks recur every week, but some of them are just kind of like, oh, I'll get to them when I get to them. Mm-hmm. And if I if I see that something's been on the task list for too long, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to delegate this out. So yeah, yeah. for me, you know, accomplishing goals, I as a business owner, you know, I don't have to be the only person to do the role. And even in life, you know, if it's something that someone else can help you with, whether it's a, you know, if you want to lose those those 50 pounds you're saying and you can't seem to go to the gym on your own, mm-hmm. why not hire a personal trainer? Yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of course correct on a monthly basis like you. And then mm-hmm. when I, I don't seem to be reaching my goals, I'll find somebody that I can that can help me or help keep me accountable. So that's, yeah, my, that's yeah. my thing, yeah. I agree. I think that's it's more effective for sure. Yeah, I mean, the anticipation for me would be would be crazy if I'm like, if it's like October and I'm saying, okay, I'm waiting until January to attack this goal. Well, my brain, when my brain works, I just start 
thinking of ways that I can already just be working on it and be done by January. So yeah, exactly. My, yeah, exactly. And even little changes I wanted to make. You know, my friends like, oh, I'm, I was like, hey, I'm I'm starting to make these changes now. If I'm you know noticing that there's certain things I didn't accomplish this year, I'm gonna go ahead and start making those changes now. If I know even a big goal, I mean, I travel a lot now, but domestically, I don't want to do more travel internationally, so I started planning that to end of last year, you know, so little things like that, I think we can get a jump start on articulating, so, so yeah, that monthly reevaluation is is key. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so what's on your vision board for 2017? Well, I think one of the biggest things is, is like I said, traveling more. I I travel a lot, and I do travel internationally, but I'm enjoying more personal-related international trips. Yeah. So I've actually booked a trip to Morocco uh, for next month. In Amsterdam, and then in March, I was supposed to like a nine day trip to Lima, Peru. And I have goals to go to Bali and in Greece before the year's out and possibly Paris. So I've already put those things in work instead of, you know, waiting <laughs> for the last minute. But I think also just doing a lot more investing and buying investment properties. I really want to see how I can somehow start investing in marijuana. So I think that's truly the future. Mm-hmm. And I think just business-wise, you know, hoping to, you know, work with more brands and, you know, more major corporations, be it, you know, going in and actually doing, you know, more financial literacy for their employees or actually partnering with them to increase awareness. So those are some of the big things I'm hoping to do this year. And in addition to finally getting a, a book done, which will be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are some of the, the things I have for this year that I'm hoping to accomplish. Well, Dominic, you you said a lot there, and uh, I'm sure a listener is thinking, you know, how does she pay for it all? Because the way my budget is set up, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't even get out of Maryland, let alone to Morocco. How is she doing all of this? And so, you know, not to, by any means, not to pry into your finances. Yeah, yeah. But, but let's, let's talk about money and millennials. And, um, you know, what are some of the approaches that you have for money management? You know, I think for me, for when it comes to money management, and also for a lot of my clients, I like to do what I call like dream-based financial planning, right? So we take the time and actually sit down and figure out what it is that you want to do with your life. And I think that if we can figure out what you want to do with your life, we can align your finances to reach those goals, right? So for me personally, I know when I started my business, a goal of mine you know, one of the reasons I wanted to become an entrepreneur, not just to help people with their finances, but I also wanted to regain my freedom, <laughs> mm-hmm. my freedom of my time, my flexibility. And so I took the time, knowing that that's a goal, I took the time to structure my business so that I can work from anywhere, right? So if I want to go to Lima, Peru for 10 days, I can go and I'm not going to miss a beat and I'm not going to miss a dollar, right? Because I've set my business up to work from anywhere. But when it comes down to, to, the, to the finances of the budgeting, you know, for most people, the hardest part is, is the budgeting. And I think that that's something that no one's mastered, I would say, because we all have those emotions. They're like, ooh, buy that, buy this, you know. <laughs> but I think that I have been able to figure out a way to keep my expenses low so that it gives me additional cash flow to do what I want. And so that's one of the biggest things that I'm working with my clients is making sure that they're able to keep their expenses low. Because when your expenses are low, you know, you can truly, you can start to do what you want to do. 
because you're not worrying about or being, you're not indebted to everybody. And so when I, when I see a lot of people who are struggling with their budgeting, a lot of times because they're, they're in so much debt that they, all the money that's coming in is going out. And so one of the things I did, like I said, I, I, I bought my first house when I was 22. I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. So my mortgage is still very low based on my, pretty much my income at 22 years old, which was not mm-hmm. high. <laughs> and, and which was, you know, probably what, maybe 38 or $40,000 is that back then. And then after that, I, I bought a car, right? But after my other car died, but now my car paid off. My car is 808. So I didn't, when my car was paid off, I didn't run out and buy a new car. Now I have no car notes. So little things like that I've always done. It's like, okay, I'm going to get these things, pay them off, and then I'll have extra money to do what I want. So now, you know, even with my increased income, my expenses are still very low. They're, they're low as if I am not an entrepreneur. They're low as if, you know, kind of my 25-year-old self, you know. And I think for me that that's been key. So a lot of people where they go wrong is that they are constantly increasing their expenses to match their income. Yeah. And that's something that I, that's something that I don't do. And so, you know, if I'm able to keep my expenses low and then saving is something that's really important for me, you know, I'm really good at saving, but I'm, I'm probably better at spending. <laughs> because I know that, I make sure that every time my money comes in, money is automatically transferred to a savings account. Because if it doesn't, I'm going to spend it. I yeah. am just like everyone else. I tell my clients all the time, like, I have those same struggles. I get these emails every day. H&M's having a sale. Zara is having a sale. Southwest Airlines is having a sale. I click them. And it's like, okay, <laughs> how much money do I have? And I whatever money is in my checking. Huh? I- I look at those emails like, I can get to New Orleans for only $94. What? I know. It's like, and that's funny, too. That's what people mess up. And I'm like, okay, yes, you bought the ticket for $94, but you do realize that you need a hotel. You're going to have to eat while you're there. And it's yep. just all of a sudden, $94 trip has turned to a $1,500 trip. So the, for me, that's some of the things that I've, that I've done is, one, just keeping my expenses low, really tracking my spending on a monthly, on a, a daily basis, truly. Mint is one of my favorite tools that I use, Mint and personal capital, to, tra- to keep track of my spending, but also making sure that all my savings is automated so that I don't have to think about it. Because if I have to think about it or if I'm saving whatever's left over at the end of the month, it ain't going to be nothing left over because I'm going to find a way to spend it. So <laughs> that's what's kind of worked for me. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the tools there. Tell us a little bit more about those apps that you're using. You, you mentioned Mint and a few uh-huh. other personal capital. Yeah. yeah. So Mint is Mint and personal capital. They're, they're kind of similar. Mint and most people, well, a lot of people have heard of Mint. It basically what it is, it's, it's a free tool that gives you the ability to link all of your checking and savings and, and debt and student loans, credit cards, everything to the app. And it gives you a complete snapshot of your finances at all times. But it also gives you the ability in the budgeting section to set your budget. So you can go in on a daily basis and see, okay, how much have I spent in my, you know, $300 a month eating out budget or whatever it may be. So that way you're able to keep track. So I think for a lot of people that probably mess up is they're not tracking their spending at all. Most people I meet, they're like, Dominique, I make great money, but I have no idea where it's going. Everyone acts like they're getting robbed in the middle of the night, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the case. <laughs> it's me going to spending. <laughs> the other app that I use is Personal Capital. And it's similar to Commit, but to me it, it gives a lot more, I don't know, as a finance nerd, it just gives you more financial figures that I like to see as far as like the increase and decrease of net worth over time. You can still track your budget, but it's not quite the same as Mint. 
but I kind of, I just use both because they, they kind of give different figures, but they're still great free apps that just allow you to truly understand where you are, have a complete picture of your finances, but also have an understanding of where your money's going on a monthly basis. Awesome. And, and that's the key there, knowing where your money went, because you don't want to get to tax time or, you know, when you get your W-2 and you see, and, you know, that's the season we are right now. And you're like, I made that much and I don't even know what I have to show for it. <laughs> no, I think, I think we've all been there like, this is a lie. This is not accurate. Okay. <laughs> I did not make all this money that they're saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, all of that didn't go to my, uh, to my taxes and stuff. But you travel across the country and you hear mm -hmm. from millennials that are looking to uh, manage their money. What are some of the, the the trends that you're seeing as far as why people are either resistant to saving and, and having a budget or why they haven't started? What, what's getting in the way of good money management? I think for a lot of people, it's deeper, and I'm no therapist or anything, but it's definitely deeper than just, you know, kind of what's getting in the way. I think a lot of it is, is their money mindset. I've met a lot of people who are high-income earners who – especially like an African-American community, some of the first to, to, to become a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, and they're making two, $300,000 a year, and they're still broke. And they're just like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm realizing it comes down to a lot of people, their relationship with money. So for a lot of people, they have painted a negative relationship with money from childhood. And because of that, they're completely ignoring the fact that they need to manage their money, right? <laughs> That's not their money. For a lot of people, they're not even taking the effort. They're like, my goal is to make more money, and when I make more money, everything will fix itself. And that is not the case. And we see that over time. We see multimillionaires filing bankruptcy all the time. We see multimillionaires meeting suicide, right? Money does not necessarily – it equals happiness sometimes, but it does not equal happiness. And so because of that, I'm realizing that to a lot of people, I'm having to ask them, like, what was your first experience with money or what was your experience with money as a child? What did you learn from that? How do you think it's hurting you now? How do you think it's affecting you now? And so for a lot of people, like I said, it goes, it goes deeper than that. And when they understand that, whoa, like my relationship with money is negative because of my mom, who always had a bad relationship with money, with money was always robbing Peter to pay Paul, and I, that's almost embedded in me, and I've never realized that. Now I need to take a step back and see what I need to do to, to effectively start managing my money because I've been completely ignoring it. So to me, that's one big thing. But I think another issue is is – People, a lot of people just aren't making enough money. Yeah. That's, that's one part. Yeah. They're just not. And I meet, I meet people all the time who I sit down and look at their budget, and I'm like, this just ain't enough. And there's nowhere else to cut back. So that's another issue, too, you know, with people being underpaid, not making enough money, taking on too much debt, borrowing more than what they need to borrow to, you know, to kind of keep up with the Joneses or the Kardashians. Yeah. But also, you know, also with them – Student loans. Student loans is, is killing millennials right now. Like that is a whole, like a whole. Now let's let's pause on the student loans part right quick because I remember in college, you know, and they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but mm -hmm. in college, you know, when when the refund check came, that was a person's opportunity to ball out and get clothes yeah. and you know treat everybody to, to drinks and, and just, you know, be, be Mr. Moneybag. But now, you know, when it's time to pay for it, it's like, oh, man, it's, that is a really big deal. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I don't think we, we really get the concept of loans 
and interest mm-hmm. and compound interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that we're learning that in our schools. I don't think we're learning it in our churches and our homes. And so, you know, we as kids, we're just like, oh, it's free money. But, you know, we're paying for it on the back end, and that's really, really crippling a lot of, not only a lot of students, but a lot of their parents, too. It is. It is. That's that's very true. And, you know, it's interesting. I actually was one of the lucky few that graduated undergrad with no student loans. And so I truly did not understand the concept of student loans, but I never really had to have any, right? And I remember my friends bawling out, just like you say, during refund check time, and I was probably treated with some of that refund check money that they had <laughs> and not realizing it until, you know, I really started working with clients. And then when I actually went to, to map, to get my master's, I did take on some student loans. I didn't take on a ton, yeah. but they offered me all this refund money. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I see this refund money has to be paid back. I thought this was refund money that was like a grant. And, you know, that's it. And so, yeah, and the time comes, you have to pay it back. And people are you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have to pay this back. And it's like, well, you technically borrowed it. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely an issue. People are graduating and having to pay $1,300 a month in, in student loan payments. That's a third. Yeah. After the third. So that's another issue. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll do a uh, student loan summit and uh, have you back on the show. Yes, please, please. I'd love to get my feedback on that. Oh, yeah. And so now you mentioned two categories of folks. You mentioned people that make more than enough money, but it seems to all go away. And then the people that feel as though, or they lay out the budget and see that they don't make enough money and there isn't mm-hmm. enough coming in. What's the, what's the first step for people that fall in either of those categories? What, what do you recommend when you're, when you're talking with the client? I would say, I think the first thing typically is, is really sitting down and figuring out how much, you know, where you are currently financially. So having them gather all their financial documents. I always say gather everything with your name, the dollar sign. We need to know how much money you're bringing in. We need to know how many people you owe. We want to know, you know, a list of, of your income, but also a list of all of your expenses. So not just your rent and your mortgage, but I want to know how much you're spending on food, how much are you spending on your car. You know, I think that's a, another big place people don't realize how much money they're spending every month. You know, if you have a car note, four or $500 a month and your car insurance for $200 a month, you have to pay $200 for, for gas a month. That's $800 a month that you're spending just on your car. I and mean, you may take it to get a car wash or something every now and then, so now you're up to 900 bucks, you know? Okay. And so people are like, well, I'm spending this much money on a car. And I think for, for a lot of my clients, I never forget I had a, a client who's a doctor, literally went from making like 40 grand a year to $300,000 a year, still paycheck to paycheck. Literally had maybe $500 saved up when I met her. And anyone that you meet, like, you have $300,000, they, you know, you make $300,000 a year, you should be balling. And the issue for, for, like, this person was that she was spending everything that was coming in, and she was helping all of her family members. And she had literally nothing to show for it. And so we had to stop and just completely take a step back and see where all her money was going, and we had to completely cut back on a lot of things. And she was literally able to save something like $50,000 in, like, like six months, just because she had that yeah. much money coming in. She was like, what? This is crazy. And it was just a matter of sitting down and figuring out where her money was going and cutting back and setting a goal and making a conscious decision. Like, look, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know? And so I think that's really the first step is, is figuring out how much you're bringing in, how much your expenses are, how much debt you owe, and then figuring out where can you cut back and figuring out what that bigger goal is so you can figure out how you can start reaching it. 
it's amazing what you can do when you're intentional about it and you and it's yeah. right in front of your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. So obviously we have you on the podcast here and those that are listening, this is Dominique Broadway. She is the owner of Finances Demystified and her website is dominiquebroadway.com mm-hmm. and you're probably, you've seen her on Yahoo, Ebony, Market Watch, USA Today, Money Under 30, Smart CEO. Dominique, you do this for a living and you can help our audience. What are some of the tools that you use in your business and where can people go to learn more about your company, what you're doing, how they can connect with you and get their finances demystified, all that great stuff? Well, I'm pretty pretty easy to find me. Definitely mention the website, which is dominiebroadway.com. I'm probably hanging out the most on Instagram, Dominique Broadway, just straight Dominique Broadway on Instagram and then Miss Finance Coach on Twitter. But as far as tools, you know, I think some of my favorite tools that I'm using, I guess, just personally with my finances, like we mentioned Mint and also Personal Capital. Um, I'm also a big fan of Digit. Digit is an awesome, awesome app. And I wrote a really detailed review about Digit on my website. And basically what that does is, you know, for those people who are having a hard time spending, it automatically, you know, takes money out of your account, not large amounts, but they have a fancy algorithm to determine how much you can afford to save. And we'll just slowly pull out, you know, $5 here, $2 here. And you look in your digit account, and you're like, whoa, I saved, you know, X amount of dollars, which for a lot of people, that's the only thing that they're saving because they haven't made a conscious effort to actually start saving. Another great tool, because people always ask me about investing is Acorns. I really, really love Acorns. You know, I actually just started using Acorn, I think, in, like, October. And I looked at my account the other day and I was like, what? I saved, like, 500 bucks in, like, three months. And this was spare change. I'm like, they yeah. put all this spare change on my account that, one, I kind of didn't even recognize. And, two, it's equaled up to $500. But it just kind of shows, you know, yeah. it kind of shows, you know, how, you know, we could be saving more if we really tried to. It didn't affect me at all. So those are some of the tools that I'm, that I'm using as far as, like, budgeting and saving and, investing now so but yeah i mean there's definitely tons of more resources on my site and i'm always sharing stuff and have some really cool new concepts coming out and some new investing challenges and things coming out over the next few months so definitely make sure you're following all those places okay and what type of clients do you take on do you speak only in groups do you take one-on-one coaching clients do you work with universities companies what groups of folks can you help well, interesting. I actually work with all of the above. So I do, <laughs> as far as like one-on-one, most of my clients are millennials. They're not necessarily always millennials, but they're in that millennial age bracket. I have some clients that are also like in their 50s as well, but most of my one-on-one clients are millennials. But as far as like my corporate clients, I work with corporations and do tons of speaking at universities. And I'm slated to go back to Wharton this year and just confirm Dartmouth as well. And so I've spoken at tons of different universities. So also conferences and organizations and nonprofits and whoever needs financial literacy, I am there. Awesome. So <laughs> never never turn anyone down. So yeah, people of all all different types of corporations and nonprofits and individuals as well. Awesome. And, and do you have any parting thoughts that you want to share with our audience today? Mm, let's see. No real parting parting thought, but I, I definitely would say that, you know, if you're looking to or getting your finances together with a resolution of yours for this year you know, make sure that this is the year that you, you make your wealthy year. Make this be the year that you start to make that, that decision to, to get a grip on your finances. Because what you don't want to do 
is wake up at 65, 70 years old and still have the same resolution. I meet people all the time <laughs> that have done just that. And they say, oh, I wish I had met you in my 20s. You know, I wish I had met you in my 30s or even my 40s. And they're still still trying to get their finances together. It really breaks my heart when I meet people who are 65 and they're like, oh, I just, I, I want to talk to you. I want to get my finances together. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, why? Why did you wait so long? <laughs> you know, so please just don't be that person for me. So that's, that's my parting thought. Okay, <laughs> Take some <okay>. action. <laughs> well, Dominique, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, we'll have to have you back on. Yes, the- thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. We'll have you back on our uh, student loan summit whenever we, we, we map that out. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Have a good day. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at JoeyVPriceHR with the hashtag BLCMoments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.